Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. And believe God. Third John, chapter 1, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, Just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I want to preach to you today from a sermon titled, How Prosperous Are You? Think about it this morning. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's come out today. I thank you for the week that you've given us and this day. You woke us up, God, and you got us to your house. Now, I ask you to speak to us, God. Encourage us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. By your spirit, from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. How prosperous are you? There's a lot of talk about prosperity and favor in the church, especially if you watch TV preaching, which I don't because I don't like hearing people beg for money all the time. So um, I don't watch a lot of TV preaching, but when I do, it seems like all I hear talk about is prosperity. I don't preach a lot about prosperity at Abundant Life, but I live a prosperous life. Amen. Listen, it's easy. You say, well, Pastor, what's the key to living a prosperous life? Well, you have to honor God with all your substance, and then you still have to live below your means. I mean, if, if you hadn't had a car payment in over 10 years, it's pretty easy to stack some back. But if every two years you run out and roll over negative equity from your old car into your new car, that's difficult. Well, that's a different message for a different time. Y'all don't want to hear about financial stewardship. But prosperous is a relative term. Prosperous is a relative term. If you were to ask someone, is Pastor Scott a tall man? Most people would say no. But according to the Army, well, I was in the Army, I was 5 foot 10. I'm about 5, 9 and a half now, and I think I'm shrinking out of that half. But according to the Chamber of Commerce, the average man is 5 foot 9. I'm significantly taller than that, so that makes me a tall man. But not really, because if you put me, you know, standing in between Jimmy and Jeff, then I'm going to be a shorter Man, prosperous, tall, good, bad, these are relative terms. You, you might be pretty, but to your mama, amen? I mean, it's just, it's just a relative term. You, you, you might be prosperous. I mean, I, listen, John's a couple inches shorter than I am. He, he's, so to me, he, he's shorter than I am. But there are countries that if he went over there, he would be tall. Do you understand this relativity? Do you understand this? That when we talk about prosperous, listen, I want you to understand that even the poor people in our country are more financially able than 90% of people around the world. You want to see real poverty? You have to go. Obviously, we can see poverty even in our own city. Uh, And I've taken my children into the worst neighborhoods because I want them to see everyone's neighborhood doesn't have a pool up front. Okay? Everyone neighborhood doesn't have people being paid to cut grass there. Uh, We can find poverty even here, but if you want to find real poverty, you got to get outside of America. 
Because every poor person I know still has a pack of cigarettes, a lighter, and a cell phone. I mean, there's level, this, this relativity factor is when I talk about being prosperous, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about on every different level. Pray this word, this Greek word prosperous means to have success on your journey. And I want you to have success on your journey. And this, this is a, there, there's a manifold ways of being prosperous. And we're going to look at that th- this morning. Every year in the month of December, I lock down and spend more time in prayer than any other month as I ask God to give me a focus, an area of concentration, a vision to take us into the coming year. What we will think about, what, what, what will drive us, and what God would have us to concentrate on. And last December, God told me that in 2017, he wanted us to focus on getting serious about getting healthy in 2017. Get serious. Let's, let's see if we can do this together. Uh, repeat this after me. Get serious. About getting, healthy about getting healthy right now. Right now. See, we started by saying get serious about getting healthy in 2017. But guess what? If you haven't noticed, 2017 is almost half over. You, that's shocking to me. When I sat down and I realized that, I thought I really intended to do better in 2017. But Stacy showed up yesterday for breakfast with, with, with fresh, hot now, Krispy Kreme glazed donuts, to which I say, hallelujah, <laughs> and glory to God. Son, did he tell you? He didn't tell you. I'm not going to put him out there about the donuts he ate. Man, men's breakfast yesterday. Ah. He didn't eat as many as I did, and he worked them off in the yard. He already told me that. But as I got to thinking about 2017, and I know for sure that God told me to tell his people in 2017 that we need to get serious about getting healthy in, in, in a multitude of areas. And as I look at it, I, I, I got to be the first one to confess. I have let time slip by, and I haven't gotten as far as I would have hoped to. If you had asked me five months ago, Pastor, are you really going to get serious in 2017? About yes. And if you would have told me this is where I was going to be on, 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 in May of 20, now the weather don't feel like May, but it's May out there. If you would have, I would have thought I would have gotten further. What am I telling you? It's easy to let time slip away. What, what, what did Rock Group say? Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. See, the devil wants us to procrastinate. He can't take God from us. The Bible says that if you're in God, that you're in Jesus' hand, and Jesus is in the Father's hand, and the Father is wrapped up by the Spirit. That He, he that Paul was even able to say, I know in whom I believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. God's going to keep me. The devil's not going to snatch me away from God. Amen? He can't, he can't take your salvation from you, but he can distract you. And when he distracts you, I, if, you if you follow my Facebook, I always try to put on there, on the days that I, I go on Facebook, I try to put on there some thought out of the proverb of the day. And one of the proverbs already this month said, don't get sidetracked. It's so easy to get sidetracked because when the devil sidetracks us, then he can mess up our destiny. He can't destroy us, but he can delay what God wants to do in our life. And I've told you before, and we need to understand that nobody ever just decides, I'm going to just take a couple years off and just accomplish nothing 
and just let it all slip away from me. But I'm 53 years old, and I've been doing this for four decades, and I've heard so many people ask me the question, Pastor, where did all the time go? And I've never met one person on their deathbed say, I wish I would have lived in a bigger house. I, I wish I would have made one more sale. I wish I would worked five more hours overtime. But I hear people say, I wish I would have done better with the life God gave me. I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have been more serious about serving God in my life. What am I saying? It's easy to let time slip away. And days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months. And then we end up fifth month. Man, 5-7-2017, we're in the fifth month already. And eventually, if, if you don't pay attention, we're going to be in the sixth month and in the eighth month. And then you're going to realize, I really was going to do what Pastor said. I was going to get healthy in some areas in 2017, and then it's, it's going to be 2025 before you know it. Man, so you young people don't understand how fast life goes by. You see, I'm carrying my AARP card. Don't think I don't get 10% off at Outback Steakhouse because I do. I lay it down right on them. I'm old. Give me my discount. <laughs> you start getting some years on you, and you look back and say, wow. It just seemed like just the other day I was in college. It just seemed like this the other day I was in third grade. And then you look in the mirror, and you're like, who is that? You ever had that recognition? You're like, who is staring back at me in this mirror? Man, people are like, Pastor. You know, you, 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 you might, you, people have asked me, do you really believe that you're that swagalicious? Do you really believe that you're all that? Like you, yes. I, I, when, I, when I see me, I, I don't always see that guy looking back in the mirror. I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. You know, I'm all that and a bag of chips. But, but I know that even as a pastor in the Lord's church, even as someone who spends every day on my knees, every day in this book, every day serving the Lord, that I've allowed so much of my life to slip away. And I want to speak to you today about stopping that process in your own life. If you're younger than me, don't get to where I am. Don't get to 53 years old, never having accomplished for God what you want to accomplish. If you're older than me, I shouldn't have to say anything to you at all. Because you ought to know and have the wisdom by now that says, I need to finish strong. I need to finish right. I need to leave a legacy on my family for the love that I have for God. But I said we were going to focus on getting healthy in 2017. And I've been talking for years about five different areas of concentration, five different realms that every human being exists on. The, these five realms are spiritual, physical, financial, emotional, and relational. And I said these are the five areas that we need to concentrate on getting healthy in. Because if I say get healthy, most people think about uh, getting physically healthy. Uh, man, when I saw your dad eat that, I almost fell out when I saw him eat that donut. I'm like, he don't eat donuts. You can't look like that uh, and eat. But most people think about getting healthy, losing weight physically. That's just one of the that's just one of the five areas that we exist in in life. We need to get healthy in our relationships. We need to get healthy in our mind. We need to get healthy in our body, and we need to get healthy financially, and we need to get healthy spiritually. And my question to you is, if not now, when? When are you really going to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough, and I need to do better? 
When, because people, listen, here's how the devil wants to deceive you. He wants to tell you that one day you're going to be a praying man. One day you're going to be a praying woman. One day you're going to read the Bible every day. One day you're going to get serious about losing some weight. This whole one day I'm going to do, I, I told our leaders for years, going to do land is the devil's territory. God is a this is the day the Lord has made. What you're going to do is a myth and a falsehood. What you're going to do is, is just fakery to make you feel better about your lack. We got to get out of this false theory of what we're going to do. And we need to do what God has called us to do. I've told you so many times, and it remains true, if you want more, you have to do more. There is no magic fix. There, there is no, I'm going to come to church long enough and everything's just going to fall in place. No, it takes effort. It takes effort. We, you you, you got you to do more if you want more. If you want better, you got to do better. That, that's why the things that make sense to me is when I hear people talk about, uh, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. If I want change, i got to be the change that I want to see in the world. So I'm asking you today to be the change that you want to see in the world. I saw, I don't know, uh, Uncle Ken, I don't know how many people we had volunteering yesterday. Miss Irene, I don't know, I, it, probably 10 people, eight volunteering, 17, hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. 17 people volunteered yesterday in our food and clothing ministry. Uh, listen, they were being the change. They were being the change. They were loving on people. They were handing food and helping people get clothes, what Jesus has commanded the church to do, by the way. You never go wrong feeding the hungry because Jesus commanded us and said in Matthew 25 that in the judgment day, he will judge churches for whether or not they fed the hungry and gave clothes to the naked. And I hear all these different churches. Listen, we got people not just coming from the neighborhood. We got people coming from South Georgia. We got people driving from 100 miles away to get to get some uh, food and some clothes. And I've asked them, "Do you go to church?" Oh yeah, but our church doesn't do anything like this. I, well, have you asked the pastor? Yeah, but he says we're in a building program, and you know we we don't have money to help people. People come before buildings. Now I've been saying that for 15 years. We might have to meet in the street soon because if the giving don't pick up people are going to meet outside because they came before buildings amen but we 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 saw people being the change yesterday Any, anybody can sit back and say how horrible it is that in a prosperous nation like america a mother would be in her house worrying about what am i going to feed my children when they come home it shouldn't be like that for anybody no mother should have to look at an empty refrigerator and not have food to give to her children. We're past that as a society. Now, I know back, back in some of y'all's day and mama's day and grandmama's day, listen, grandmama had to make soup out of ketchup packets. Amen? Y'all, uh-huh. And, and, and stretch, we're past that. We're, we're too prosperous for that. There's too many places giving away food. We, we don't want no mother to have to look. But we saw people, 17 volunteers out yesterday being the change, lying wrapped around the building. And I want it to wrap further around the building. My goal from day one has been not just to have a food and clothing ministry for two hours on Saturday. We want to go to three hours on Saturday. We want to go to five hours on Saturday. Then we want to go to all week long. Because we have people hit us up all the time. Dina, be my witness. Call the church. 
Facebook the church, email the church. I wasn't able to get there on Saturday. Uh, is there any other way I can come get it? Listen, we live in a world full of need, and we need to be the change. We live in a world full of hurt, and we need to be the help. We live in a world full of pain, and we need to be the people of God that help assist those that need a hand up. I'm not just for whole, whole scale just helping raggedy people that don't want to do better. I'm not looking. I, and I think that the, the people that we're trying to help aren't necessarily just people who want to live on a handout. But I'm telling you, all of us from time to time need a hand up. Can you say amen to that? And I want you to pray that God will continue to use us in that way. But here's the reality. You can't give away what you don't possess. Now, if you really needed $100 before you left this place today in cash money, or, they, or you were going to die, you can't ask everybody in this room for $100. Well, you could, but if they can't give it to you, can they give it to you? No. You can't give away what you don't have, but you can give away what you do have. We got to get the things that God has for us so we can give it to people who need it. Because I'm going to tell you what, it's hurtful as a, as a parent when you see your children needing something and you can't give it to them. A parent that don't have it can't give it to them. And I don't want people staring in empty refrigerators and empty cabinets. I want us to make an impact on this community. But we got to get healthy. It's no different than if you fly on an airplane. Now, thank God, I've flown a lot in my lifetime in the military as a civilian, but I've never, I mean, we started flying as a child because we uh, went to school, lived in England, kindergarten, first and second grade, flying back and forth to America, busting an eardrum on a flight, screamed the whole way. That was fun for everybody sitting around me, I bet. Um, but I've flown a lot. I've never been in a plane where the mask dropped down. But they go through that speech every time, right? That one nobody listens to. You're supposed to take out the thing and follow along. And let, nobody's doing that. But the, the lady or the dude, why well, are the dudes soft that do that type of work? That's a different message. I'm going to keep moving. But they go through their speech, and they say, in the event of a loss of cabin pressure, masks will fall down from the overhead compartment above you. And then they tell you, pull the cord straight, put the mask on. Well, I, And then they say, if you're traveling with a small child or an elderly person, be sure to put your mask on before you put their mask on so you can better help them. And I'm thinking, I ain't a mom in the world hearing that. No way in the world. Malachi's three years old, you and him flying to Puerto Rico, them masks fall down. Nixa's holding her breath, getting that mask on her baby. I, I know Nixa, ain't, ain't no doubt in my mind. It's just, uh, uh, that's, how, that's how mamas think. But the airline is telling us the truth. Because what if you're trying to get that mask on and you pass out? You can't help people when you're struggling. You can't give to people what you don't possess. You can't save nobody from drowning if you drown first. That's why we've got to get healthy. We've got to get healthy mentally. We've got to get healthy physically. We've got to get healthy spiritually. We've got to get healthy financially. It, it you know... I don't spend, I don't waste a bunch of time asking God why. I, I was blessed to be raised in a fundamental church uh, with good, sound, orthodox theology that taught me about the sovereignty of God. That's a big word. Got a G in there somewhere, an I and an E. That's a big word. But it means that God is in charge all the time. It means God does what he wants to when he wants to, taking no advice from anybody else. That God always knows what he's doing, no matter how jammed up it looks to us. So I don't spend a lot of time 
wasting God's time or my time asking him why. But it is shocking to me that a church that is trying to bless a hurting community, a church that is trying to do something to advance the name of Christ is struggling so hard as we are financially while some of these churches ain't done nothing, ain't seen nobody saved in a thousand years, just got money laid up in the bank. I know a church less than five miles from here. And that's an older church. It's hard to save money in a 15-year-old church, especially when we give it all away. We, we're trying to put together a financial package to get uh, financing on this building to buy it. When, when they saw how much money we had, how little money we had in the bank, they're like, what are y'all doing with all that money? Like, we're giving it away. What do you think? Jesus said, give freely, you receive freely, you ought to give. But I, I know a church five miles, maybe six miles up the street, been around for about 800 years, run about 40 people in it. They have over $4 million in, in, in their building fund. Hadn't built a building in 50 years. But they got $4 million, was given to them in an annuity, set off to the side in case one day they ever decide, no food and clothing ministry, no outreach to the community, $4 million in the bank. I'm thinking, we ain't got four cents in the bank. And we got to buy food for 100 families this week. We, we, we don't have four cents in the bank. We, 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 we got to send money to all these people around the country so they can keep doing ministry. I don't spend time asking God, why do some churches have millions of dollars in the bank and they ain't doing anything in the churches seem like they're doing something are the ones living hand to hand. I just realize God knows what he's doing. It's going to be what it's going to be. Amen? Live with that mindset. You'll live longer. It's going to be what it's going to be. God knows what he's doing. Don't always make sense to me. I'm living in the real world. Sometimes I just have to scratch my head and say, hmm. But I want, I want us to get healthy so we can give away health. I want us to get strong so we can give away strength. I want us to get filled with faith so we can give away faith. I want us to be so overflowing that we can give to someone. If you ever try to do ministry, if you ever try to serve the Lord, and you sit in one of my leadership teachings, you'll find out that I always say the same thing about servitude. You need to minister out of the overflow. And the picture I use to learn overflow is fancy people. You know, we don't do tea time at 3 o'clock in my house. We don't even drink tea in my house. Sweet tea. Uh, we don't drink hot tea. Fancy people drink hot tea, 3 o'clock. And they drink it out of a cup and a what? Some of y'all know about fancy people. Cup and a saucer. Well, the saucer is under the cup, not because they don't have a table to set the cup on. The saucer is under the cup. To catch what spills out. And if you pour that cup too full, that saucer is going to puddle up and catch the overflow. And I tell people, if you're going to serve God, you need to make sure that you only serve out of the overflow. What's in your cup is for you. Be getting so filled up by God. Always be under the spout where the glory comes out so that you got spilling. Your cup runneth over so you have something to give people. Because if our cup doesn't runneth over and we're serving and giving to our families and our community out of our cup, then we got nothing in the saucer, so we got to dip into our cup. Now, we're starting to get deficient because we're not nourished. Now, we're giving bad ministry because we are badly ministered too. We, it's important what you possess because what you possess determines what you can give away. Some people in the room could give you that $100 today. Most sadly, I don't think could. Well, I could take a poll, but I don't trust all y'all to be honest because y'all know I'd be coming to you. 
so I just let it, let it be said. Most people in this room don't have $100 in their front left pocket that they can hand to you today. But if you need it, I do know somebody that's got $100 in their front left pocket. Come talk to me after service. I will send you right to Deacon Henry West. We got to get healthy. Say, get healthy. We got to get healthy in so many different levels. Let's look at our text. 3 John, verse 1, says to the elder, comma, always pause on punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. The elder. Well, it's the third book of John, and so can you guess who the elder is? The one who's writing this? John. John a lot of times does not refer to himself by name, and historians tell us it was because of his humility. When he referred to himself, sometimes he would say he was that one whom Jesus loved. <laughs> That's a pretty good title to give to yourself. But um, this is John writing this, his third book of John to the beloved Gaius. Now, who is Gaius? I don't know. Some dude uh, got, a got a name that his parents shouldn't have gave him to Gaius. Uh, that's some strange names out there. My kids come home from Oak Leaf Junior High, Oak League High School, and they tell me, uh, my friend and I were at lunch today, and they give me some of these names. Whoo! Gaius might be an upgrade. But anyway, Gaius is a friend to John. Are you following me? Who John loves in the truth. See, John was a good Christian. He knew how to love people. But I want you to understand about Scripture, and this is one of the things that I fell in love with the Bible early when I started studying the Bible and learning my way in Christ. When I realized that, the, the, that these books that we have as the Bible, they were written by human beings to other human beings to deal with specific issues. What am I saying? John wrote this book to his friend Gaius to speak to Gaius specifically. But God inspired John to write the words that not only would be instruction for Gaius 2,000 years ago, but supernaturally preserved for us 2,000 years later to still instruct us today. That's a pretty special book. A book that was speaking 2,000 years ago in specificity but can still do it now, that's a special book. I love how awesome the Bible is. But John is writing to his friend, the friend he loves, and he goes on to say in verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Now, John understood how prosperous a Christian soul was. We are, the Bible says that we are blessed and highly favored. That's not just some line people give you when you ask them how they're doing. The Bible says that we are seated in the heavenly places already. We, we already have a home in heaven for us, and because God sees eternity all at one time, God already sees you in heaven if you're going there. And so we, we, we are, our soul is extremely prosperous because if you've been saved, you have all, the Bible says, that you need that pertains to life and godliness on the inside. So your soul, if you're a Christian, is beyond our mental ability to consider prosperous. But God inspired John to say that I'm praying that you will prosper in all things. Say all things. John's saying that. To Gaius. But God has inspired John to say that so God could say that to us in 2017. See, the Bible is John talking to Gaius, Paul talking to Timothy. But when we read it, it's God talking to us. 
So God is saying to us that it's his desire that we prosper in all things. Now remember, that Greek word does not mean greed. It doesn't mean stack fat in the bank. It means to have success on your journey. It was a traveler's term in the original Greek language. Success on your journey. You need to have success as you go through life in all these different areas we're talking about. And God's word to us today is that he wants us to prosper in how many things? All things. Stop believing that lie. Well, I guess that's just my lot in life, Reverend. You know, I, just, I guess I just ain't meant to be much. I guess I just holding on. No, God said to be fruitful and multiply, to take dominion over everything. God said to realize that you are heirs and even joint heirs with Jesus Christ over everything that there is. You ought to have a little pep in your step as a Christian. You ought to know that my God is the only real God that lives. So you ought to know, man, I, you, you ought to be able to say, because, like, listen, now, honestly, every, every, everybody can't be cute and cuddly. So, some people got to be less than. I, I already told you, your mama thinks you're cute, but you, 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 you might not be the cutest thing on the outside, but you ought to know on the inside you got it rocking. You ought to know on the inside that, that God is on the inside of you, and you are prosperous spiritually as God sees it, but he says, I want you prospering in everything, and I want you to be healthy. And this is where we need to get to as Christians. We need to get to the place where we are prospering and we're being healthy. I want you to know it's God's will for you to prosper. This is what the scripture says. This is not some perversion for some TV preacher. Listen, what's the, what's the perversion I'm speaking of? When someone tells you God wants to give you that big house on the river that you've been dreaming of. No, he's manipulating you to get you to send him money because the reality is he's talking about a house that you have built up in your pride and in your greed and in your materialism trying to keep up with the Joneses. Nowhere in this book does God promise us a house. I had a pastor one time meet me at lunch in Fleming Island, pull something out of his book bag. What do you think about that? What is it? That's my $26,000 mansion. I said, bro, I've been to your house. <laughs> I mean, no hate, but, you know, it's, it's less than a tenth of that. He said, that's the house God promised me. And he went on and on to talk about how he has, God has to give him that house because that's the house that God promised him. Listen, that God doesn't work like that. Tell people to telling them lies, that's, that, that's bad pizza, Chinese food, that's too much hot sauce at the end of the night. That, that ain't God speaking to you in a dream. That's your greed and your materialism. Listen, you say, well, why can't it be God? Okay, because here's the thing. God's principles work universally for everyone. How many poor people in, uh, uh, in Liberia, Monrovia, West Africa, how many of them you think sitting around saying, God promised me a 26,000 square foot house of Bentley and three Lamborghinis in the driveway? That's just greed. That's just materialism. That's stuff that if your gospel don't work around the world, it ain't real gospel. Keep that in your mind when you hear people preaching. If the gospel don't work for poor people in third world countries, it ain't a real gospel for us. Because America's no more special to God than Liberia is or any other nation in the world. So when I say that God wants you to prosper, I'm not talking about getting a bigger house, getting a bigger car, fancier clothes. That's just all foolishness. These preachers are talking about God's, 
God just told me that if you'll sow a seed of $142.11 based on Psalm 142.11, and it's to start adding scripture to money and telling you to send it now, God going to give you double. Hey, God going to give you double for your trouble. Yeah. What? Where does it say that in the Bible? They, Jesus died, crucified. Peter died crucified upside down. But they were prosperous. God strengthened them and gave them blessing on their way. So don't get in your mind when pastor talks about being prosperous that he's talking about stacking money up. Now, it may mean stacking money up. If you go on our website, all the messages are free. You go back and find teaching on spiritual gifts. And you will find out that giving, everybody's commanded to give. All right? But there is a special supernatural spiritual gift of giving. And when I teach on uh, supernatural spiritual gifts, I always tell you what the proof text is that you have this gift. I'll give you this example. The proof text that I have the gift of teaching is not because I can talk for a long time in a room. The proof text that I have the gift of teaching is that when I teach, people learn. That's the the proof text. Some of y'all came out of churches. Y'all's pastor dressed better, looked better, wore better, drove better, sounded better, could dance, shout, buck, and holler, and sweat better. But you never learned anything. And then people leave churches like that, and they're like, Whoa, man, pastor was preaching today. What was he preaching about? I don't know, but he was on it. He got the gift of con artistry, not the gift of teaching, because the proof text of the gift of teaching is when you teach, people learn. Just like the gift, the proof text and the gift of leadership is when you lead, people follow. John Maxwell wrote a book on leadership, says, you want to know whether or not you're a leader? Turn around. And if there's nobody following you, you're just taking a walk by yourself. (laughs) The proof text for having the supernatural gift of giving is you stack it fat. People are like, ooh, I want that gift. Well, do you really? Because you know what you do when you stack it fat? You give it all away. And then you stack it up again and you give it all away again and God uses you as a spiritual funnel. So you, it, it, it just burdens you to give, you know, you, you got a 20 and a, and a dollar in your pocket and you really don't want to give either one of them, but you force yourself to give that single, you don't have the gift to give it. Uh, but you 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 got to get to the place where you have something to give away so you can be prosperous. It's God's desire. It's God's purpose. It's God's will for us to be prosperous so that we truly can live out the vision of our church, which is to transform our world by the power of God's love. What are we going to give them if we don't have nothing? You have no joy? Why would they want what you have? You're living raggedy and shabby. You, you're just as bad as everybody in your family. You go to the family reunion and you tell people, oh, y'all, y'all need to quit that, quit being Muslim and, and come over to Christianity and get what I got. What, failure? Depression? Over-medication? What? Long look on your face? Mad with the whole world? No thanks. We've got to get the joy of the Lord as our strength. So people will desire what we have. Jesus preached a harder word than anybody ever preached before. When the crowds get too big, Jesus would tell them stuff like this. If you don't hate your mother and your father compared to how you love me, you're not worthy to follow me. Crowd get too big, Jesus say stuff like this. If you take your hand off the plow and look back, you're no longer worthy to follow me. 
You start saying stuff like that, people are like, well, this ain't for me. I, I need a soft word. But even with the hardest word that was ever preached by the Messiah, people loved him. Why? Because he had stuff to give away. He had love. He had friendship. He had joy. He had more swag than anybody ever lived. And the God of the Bible wants to bless us, hear me, so we can be a blessing. If you're not willing to be a blessing, stop asking God to bless you. God doesn't operate in greed. But if you're willing to be a blessing, then you get ready. God is going to bless you so you can be that blessing. In verse 3, the word says, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Now remember, this is John talking to Gaius. He said, man, I was so happy when I heard the testimony about what's on the inside of you and that you're walking in the truth. That's John talking to Gaius 2,000 years ago, but this is God talking to us now. This is how special the Bible is. Look at verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This is John talking to Gaius and his spiritual children. You say, well, what are spiritual children? Paul said that you might have 10,000 instructors, but you only have one spiritual father. He said, and I became your spiritual father because I was the one that delivered the truth to you. Some people are church members. Other people are sons and daughters of a ministry. And John had spiritual sons, spiritual daughters. And he's saying to Gaius, I have no greater joy than to hear that my spiritual children walk in the truth. But 2,000 years ago, this is God talking to who? Us. So this is what God's saying. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You want to make God happy? You got to do what? You got to walk in the truth. Now the problem is people got their own theory about what the truth is. And we got to know what the truth is because we're a Bible-based church. So we go to the Bible for all the answers. You want to know what the truth is? Put John 17, 17 on the screen for me. Listen to what Jesus said. Sanctify them by your truth. He's praying to the Father. Now I was born into the Catholic church. They taught us that the Lord's Prayer was in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. But that's not true. That was the model prayer. Jesus said, pray like this. If you want to see the words Jesus really prayed, John 17 is the high priestly prayer where Jesus has his longest recorded prayer to God in the Bible. And this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, talking to about his followers, sanctify them by your truth. And then he explains what truth is. What, what Your word is truth. So according to those last four words on this screen, what is truth? Okay? God's word. Say, say, say this with me. Say God's word. God's word. Say God's word, is truth. God's word is truth. Okay, what is truth when you don't like it? What is truth when it disagrees with what grandmama and them taught you? What is truth if it ain't what your former pastor said it ought to be? What is truth? This book is what truth is. This book tells us the truth. It ain't, it is not about my particular belief set. It's not about your former pastor's particular belief set. Somebody on the radio particular belief set. Because the Bible says no scripture is of any private interpretation. I hear people say this. Well, <laughs> I've seen people have Bible studies, read a scripture, and say, Well, if you tell me what it means to you. It don't matter what it means to you no more than matter what it means to me. It means what it means, and it don't mean one thing to me and one thing to you. It's not of any private interpretation. The Bible means what it means, and the word is truth. What, what, if, what, what is truth if obeying it makes you uncomfortable? 
Still God's word. God's word is always going to be true. So God says, I have no greater joy. Put that verse we had on there before that, Deacon Mike. God said he has no greater joy than to hear that we walk in truth. Well, what is truth? God's word. So God has no greater joy than that we walk inside what? God's word. You want to be a Christian? You want to please God? You want to get blessed so you can be a blessing? You want to get healthy in Christ? You got to get in this book. If you refuse to get in this book, you're out of gas. You are busted, disgusted, and will never be trusted. Because if you refuse to read these words, you can't walk in truth. And the thing that pleases God more than anything else is for us to walk in truth. Now, I'm going to be done in a few minutes. I want you to lock in. Some of y'all drifting. I'm about to get to the punchline, and we're going to go home. This morning, I want everyone in the room who's willing to, I want us to take an honest evaluation of where we're at. You say, Pastor, you're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition. Go back to college. It, I want us to take, a, I want us to take a, a real evaluation of where we are as believers. That will help some of you educated people better. Where we at? Well, that's why I want you to find out where you at and where you are as a Christian. We need to be honest about where we are as believers. The trick, the trap, the lie is, well, they don't really care, so I just tell them I'm fine. I, I do that myself. You never heard any answer out of me. You all right, Pastor? I'm good. You need help with anything? I got it. Uh, the, the, the trap behind that is the enemy has convinced us they don't really care anyway and they ain't trying to help. They, that's just, you know, speech patterns that we've developed. You ever really want to get past that? Because most people really won't tell you how they're doing. I did a lot of nursing home ministry when I was a young preacher. You want to find out how somebody's doing? Go to some assisted living facility. Sit down in a bed next to some 90-year-old man or woman and say, How you doing today, Miss Ethel? You better sit down. Miss Ethel's about to tell you. I got my bunion. Now she's going to pull a sheet up and show you. I got this bunion. I had that bunion for nine years. She's going to tell you about a sciatica. She's going to tell you about her grant. You ask Miss Ethel in the nursing home how she's doing. You're going, you ask anybody else how they're doing, but mm, I'm all right. You know what that means? I don't believe you care anyway, so I ain't going to tell you. We got to get past that, and we got to get to the truth. We got to get past that. Listen, because somebody might come along and ask you how you're doing, and God might want them to be your deliverer. But you won't tell them you need anything. So I want us to take an honest evaluation, not this, oh, I'm blessed and highly, I'm so tired of hearing. If you say that to me, I might just reach out and just grab you by your thoughts. I'm tired of it, blessed and highly favored. You're behind on your car payment and your mortgage. Your house in foreclosure. How are you blessed and highly favored? You're struggling for mental sanity. Listening to church folk too long, crazy people. Throw it on somebody. Next time somebody asks you something, how you doing? Listen, I when somebody asks me how I'm doing, that is really part of my life on the inside, I have the exact same thing I say to them all the time. They tell you the truth. This is what he says. How you doing today? I'm old and I'm tired. Like, why are you and I why you always say that? Well, I'm about the truth. I am old and I am tired. So I, we need to get to honest evaluation about where we are, and stop this foolishness of I'm blessed and highly favored. Uh, when, when you're going through, let somebody know that you're going through. Listen, listen to what the straightforward 
right at your teaching of Galatians chapter 6 has the same verse 7. Don't be misled. Hyphen. Stop. Stop on that. Here's the deal. You come to Abundant Life any length of time, you're going to learn stuff because I'm going to force it out of you. I'm going to pull it out of you. I'm going to make you learn something. You, you're, going to have, you're going to have to get something. You come here. You're just not going to sit there and, and, and be Bible ignorant forever. So you've been around for a while. You ought to know I'm going to ask you the same type of question so I can make sure that you're getting this. So here's a similar question that I ask all the time. Why would God have to tell his children, saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, serving God above all others, why would God have to tell that group of people, don't be misled? Because we are. Because we're easily misled. So God is telling Christians, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Why would God tell Christians you can't mock the justice of God? Because many times we as his followers act like we're mocking his justice. Act like, yeah, well, I know he says he'll chastise me if I'm slipping. But I know, he, I know he'll, he'll, he'll chastise me if I'm creeping. But, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep sliding as far as I can. No, the Bible says don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. And look at this second sentence. You will always harvest what you plant. You want to grow cucumbers? Planting tomato seeds are not going to help you. I tell you what, go ahead and build you a little garden. Go ahead and just dig out a little space, a little, little two by two square in, in your backyard. Go to the hardware store. Get you packets of seeds. Get the ones that say tomatoes on it. And then go to your garden, plant them, and then stand over top of them with all this religious rhetoric and foolishness I see on TV. I command you in Jesus' name to be cucumbers. I, I curse you by the root tomato and I bind you and I sentence you back to the depth of hell from which you came. And I declare and I decree you are a cucumber in Jesus' name. That don't work. You plant tomato seeds, you ain't growing cucumbers. What you growing? That's all you're growing every time. You always harvest what you plant. What you been planting lately? You're like, Pastor, I don't plant. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a plumber. I, what are you talking? The analogy I told y'all, Jesus, Jesus, the Bible uses a teaching style called first natural, then spiritual. God talks to us in natural terms that we can understand to try to get to understand a spiritual truth. Jesus would talk to, Paul would talk to agricultural, farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. You always harvest what you plant. What you plant is what you put out in life, what you give out in life. What you harvest is what comes back on you. Every religion believes with the law of reciprocity. All right? That's a big word, reciprocity. That's a big word to, to give a religious title for what this verse is saying. That's a big word to say uh, what, what goes around comes around. That's a, that's a big word. The law of reciprocity, that's a big phrase to say if you mess with the bull, you get what? It's just how it's going to be. If you plant tomato seed, you're going to get to If you go around being nasty to people, guess what's going to come back on you? That's right. You go around scheming and, and slipping, that's, that is all going to come back on you. I know one, one pastor said this. They know there ain't no crop failures in God's harvest. You mess, you plant a bunch of sin, you go out there and do dirt. Guess what's coming back on you? Mm. Jack Hayford wrote a book titled The Key to Everything is Giving. 
And looking at that, it looked like it was going to talk about money. But as I, as I read that book, it did say the key to everything. And he said, if you want more joy in your life, guess what you got to give away? If you want more friendship in your life, guess what you got to give away? If, if, if you want more good people in your life, guess what you got to be in somebody else's life? This is just how the world, and every religion, whether they call it karma or whether, whether, whether it's just country folks saying what goes around comes around, every religion and every thinking person on the planet believes in the law of reciprocity. And God set this law in place, and it is a non-changing law. Whether you're saved or unsaved, lost, saved, whether you're living good, whether you're living bad, this, this law is not conditioned on us. This is an immutable law that always works. You will always harvest what you plant. Oprah and a lot of other people have come out now with these gurus, these spiritual gurus, and they're promoting something called the law of attraction. And that's huge. And people making millions of dollars writing books on the law of attraction. All the law of attraction says is if you want to have good things, good things come your way, you got to give out good to the universe, and the universe will bring, well, that's all garbage, because the universe don't accept good, okay, because the universe not a person, God is a person, God accepts good, but they, they've twisted it now to this law of attraction, but whatever they call it, this immutable law of God, you will always harvest what you plant, you need better people in your life, be a better person to somebody, you need more money in your life, give away more money, well, I can't afford to give away money, that's why. Pastor, I don't have enough money to give any away. That's why. You, you're sitting there. You got a farmer. Here's his choice. He's got one bag of seed left, and it's harvest time. He can eat that bag of seed over the next three weeks, or he can go out and plant it, his whole field, and harvest 100 acres worth of food. Which one's smarter, to eat that seed or to plant that seed? We're walking around eating our seed. When money gets tight, we hold on to it heavy. We ought to throw it, throw it out, give it out there, get, and let it come back. we got to learn how to work this law of reciprocity because the world is working it, and it's working for them. And we as Christians who serve the only true God there is need to learn how to work the principles of God. Verse 8 says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. I take people to this scripture. People come into my office. Listen, before you set up an appointment with me, and you're welcome to. You don't even have to be a member of this church. You want to come in my office and complain and get some free counseling so you don't have to keep paying your therapist? Come on. I'm going to take you to this scripture, though. When people come in my office, <laughs> I just don't know why. I just don't know why everything is falling apart. I just don't understand why. I try. I try. I try. I try, I try to be a good person. <laughs> and it's just. And the first thing I'm going to say is, well, how you been living? How, how, how much you been reading your Bible? I already have. First thing, I already got your giving record in front of me. You remember this church? You want to come counseling with me because you got financial hardship? I'm going to see your giving record. You gave $3 in the last year and a half. Been here every time the doors were open. You broke. Ain't no mystery. Why? Because if you live only to satisfy your own sinful nature, you will harvest decay and death. Good stuff's not coming to you if all you're doing is dirt. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. See, these are the kind of people that whether it's up or down, they still have the joy of the Lord. These are the kind of people when the lights are shut off, they're thanking God for the roof over their head. 
Just what you put out, what you put out is going to come back on you. If you don't believe me, you are in trouble. You are right now living. The reality you have right now is based on the choices that you made in the past. The choices you made in the past. Everybody don't have to drive a 10-year-old Lincoln with 200,000 miles on it. But because I do that, I don't have a car payment. So that money's in my pocket. I got money in my pocket based on choices I've made in years in the past. I, I, I've, I've, I've got a bad back based on choices I made in the past. My sister be my witness. When we were up in that mountain on a staff retreat, six months after my back surgery, um, we had been seeing this waterfall every time we drive up the mountain to the cabin. And I'm like, we got to figure out how to get to that waterfall. That thing is incredible. We pull off down the side of the road. They've got rocks mounted up and signs saying, do not proceed past this point. Hikers have died on these cliffs. Um, no, no access beyond this point. And I'm like, I'm going. Did you go? She said, Pastor, I, I, I got to go home to my family. That's exactly what she said. I looked at Jake and said, I said, y'all want to stay with John Dina? Boom, we're going. We crawled up over 20 feet of mounted up boulders. And we walked through woods and got on a waterfall that I slipped down, tumbled down, and ripped my back all the way back up again. Choices. Choices. I could have said, you know what, Dean, you're right. I got a family, too. I ought to to make a better choice. And hold my children. I got the video if you want to see it. Hold my kids out on this cliff that signs said people had died on. I slipped. We're walking across this, this raw, just naked rock waterfall, coming to the edge of it. All of a sudden, that naked rock, for whatever reason, turned as slick as owl snot. <laughs> Both my legs came out from under me. I landed flat on my tailbone. I knew my back, just, and I stumbled. And I understand about four points of contact. I was trying to put down everything I had to grab something. I got it on video. Seth screaming, Dad, I'm coming! And I screamed at him, don't! Because I knew if he stepped on that slippery stuff, he would have went over. And if I would have went over that edge, I wouldn't be needing my second back surgery, which I'm standing here needing now. Y'all been standing over looking at me in a box saying, I thought he'd look better. <laughs> That's the opposite of what y'all say. Y'all go up there, 97-year-old grandma. Don't she look good? No, she looked dead. She looks so good. She, she'd be so proud of how they did her hair. Y'all be standing on me talking about, I don't think that's the shirt he'd have picked. <laughs> Choices. You are living the reality today based on the choices you made in the past. Your marriage is jammed up. That didn't happen in one day. Your finances jammed up. That didn't happen in one day. You're five foot nine and a half, weigh 218 pounds. This didn't happen in one day. This, hey. Me, 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 me and Dickie Dixon shared a donut yesterday. Well, I had two. He had one. Uh, listen, I didn't get this off two donuts. This is the choices I've been making. You are living the reality today of the choices you've made in your past. Okay, we can't change that. All right? Let's focus. Let's get back together in our mind. But your month from now, your two months from now, your year from now, your future can be different if you plant different. You can have better if you do better. 
Look at verse, verse 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I have lived inside this verse for 36 years as a Christian. This has been the most go-to verse in my life. Why? Because I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. I, I had to bury my 36-year-old wife and preach her funeral. Died on Sunday morning, 8-15. I preached in church Sunday night. I've been through stuff. I, 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 I've lost a lot in my life. I have been done nasty by a lot of people in my life. So I always have this verse to fall back on when my mind starts to get weak and I start to wonder. And God said, don't get tired of doing what's good. Here's what the enemy makes you, wants you to think. What, what, what does it matter anyway? Doesn't matter. I, what, what, what's what, what's going to change? I tried to do good all them years. My brother got further than I got, and, and we're good. Listen, God said, don't get tired of doing what's good because at just the right time, not our timing, but God's timing, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. That's a promise. That's guaranteed. That's unchanging. You can't stop God from doing this. God made this promise that if you don't get tired of doing what's good, when the time is right, people talk about, when's my ship going to come in? When you start doing good? When, when, you, when, you, when you're not complaining and getting tired of doing good? When's your ship going to come in? When the time is right, God said you will reap a harvest of blessing if. Ha. There's an if here. Okay, God's part is to bring your ship in. Your part is to do the if. If we don't give up. Your marriage barely holding on by a thread. You're tired of dealing with that crazy person. Lock in and do better. Hold on. Deliverance is coming. You, you, your mind's starting to slip. You don't know how you're going to face another day. Hold on. Deliverance is coming. You don't know how you're going to be able to pay the bills next month and keep on giving to God. Keep doing what is right. Why? Deliverance is coming if you don't give up. If you don't give up, God is going to bless you. If you don't give in, God is going to bless you. But what do we do? Throw in the towel. Throw, give up. Tired of doing good. Been doing good for some. Listen, I preached a message one time, said, don't give up. You might be this close. You don't know how close you are. You've been praying for your wayward child to get saved for so long, and they still haven't got saved. Don't stop doing what's right. You might be this close. Your blessing is you want to see your children saved. You might be this close. You've been believing God for a come up for a long time, and it hadn't happened yet. Don't throw in the towel. Keep doing the right thing. you got to get up every day and do the right thing. Proverbs 16, 31 says, we're the ones who throw the dice, but God determines how they fall. What do we got to do as human beings? we got to get up every day and throw the dice the best we can. And if they come up sixes, we can't change it. If, 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 they, if they come up snake eyes, we cannot change it. We just got to roll with what it rolls with. And if they come up sevens, we give God praise. We throw the dice as best we can. What, what I tell my kids every day, I tell y'all all the time, read the Bible, say your prayers, and make what? Read the Bible, say your prayers, and make good choices. These are good things for you to do. And if you don't get tired of reading your Bible, saying your prayers, and making good choices, one day, when your time is right, your ship is going to come in. One day, 
When your time is right, you will reap a harvest of blessing as long as you don't give up. You know what God promises to people who give up? All God's promises, the word says, are to those who endure. Don't give up on doing right. Don't give up on reading your Bible. Don't give up on living holy. Don't give up on paying the tithe. Don't give up on loving your family. Don't give up on being the person that God called you to be just because it ain't working out for you right now. That's the trick of the devil. You keep doing what's right. One day when your time is there, it's going to come in. And you're going to be able to stand up and, and tell people, I lived long enough to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you're going to be able to testify to God's, to God's truthfulness and say, I never gave up because I knew God was going to come through for me one day. I knew as long as I didn't throw in the towel that God was going to do something for me. Don't give up. Five things we got to get serious about. Put those on the screen for me so we can go. Spiritually, we got to get serious about getting healthy spiritually. What are you planting? Are you planting anything? What are you doing? Planting is what you do, your deeds. Are you doing anything to get better spiritually? Listen, I don't even know who sings anymore. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't even know. I don't, I, I'm guessing R. Kelly ain't still rocking. <laughs> you spend all day long listening to R. Kelly talking about 12 play, you're not going to live holy. Y'all ain't old enough for that. I don't even have a modern-day example to give y'all. But if you fill your mind full of stuff that, that is ungodly, you're not putting any seed in the ground to grow spiritually. If, if you're not reading your Bible, saying your prayers, making good choices, you ain't going to grow spiritually. you got to plant the right thing to grow the right thing. All right? What's next? Physical. You eating two donuts every day and not, and, and not working out? Now, it's funny. I'm messing with Sergeant Major today. Uh, because he's in fantastic shape and he takes his health seriously. And when he walked in and I was just crushing those donuts, I'm like, ah, ha, ha, I finally found something I can do that you can't do. <laughs> but because he's proud and competitive, he said, you think? He said, watch it. <laughs> and he already had in his mind how many hours he's going to have to spend on the elliptical. <laughs> he said, now i got to put in extra work. He already had in his mind what he had to do to work that off. Why? Because he wants. How, how old are you, said? I was so mad the first time he told me that. Don't, don't, don't look that good at 57. Don't be older than me and look that good. But he puts the right effort out to get the right result. You're not doing anything to get better. Your blood pressure's high. You're still eating pork. What is wrong with you? You're going to make some change. You want to get skinnier? And you're still eating Krispy Kreme donuts about a handful at men's breakfast? That don't apply to me. No, because I'm not upset about being fat. I made peace with my fat a long time ago. Hey, the, 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 the year that wearing untucked shirts became fashionable, I said, I can be fat as I want to. I just buy bigger shirts. You got a family history of heart disease? And you're clogging your arteries with red meat. You're not putting any cardio out there. You, you got trouble. You need to live a long time so you can be there for your children. You need to live a long time so you can still be a Christian on the earth. Because we ain't raising up too many Christians in America anymore. You got to take your physical uh, part of life seriously. What else we got? Financial. You broke? Stop spending money. 
That, that's it. You, well, I, I think everybody ought to be able to go out and have a nice meal every now and then. Where does it say that in the Bible? You got, listen, every, see, the average upper middle class, I was raised upper middle class, white American. I mean, I'm still a white American. Hard as I try. But anyway, that's funny. Y'all don't get it. We never had to really worry about the, the, the food. Hispanics know about it. My, my son, Jake, or Seth, has spent more nights at Henry Nix's house than any, or Jessica's house than anybody else. The thing about both of them, Puerto Rican. You know what they're going to have? Every single meal. My son comes home. Uh, what y'all eat? You know. And they caught me one day in a, in a proud and ignorant mood and asked me, why don't we have rice and beans? I said, because that's just food poor people eat. They can't afford meat. And am I right? Why, why do people put a lot of rice, buy a lot of rice and beans? Because it's, it's cheaper than meat. Why, why do people buy neck bone instead of filet mignon? Because it's cheaper. Okay? You, 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 you don't have, well, I believe I ought to be able to take my kids uh, out. Uh, we went out to Maggiano's to eat the other night. It's Seth's birthday, $186 for three people to eat. There ought to be a highway crime behind that somewhere. Okay? You're like, well, I ought to be able to go out. i tell you what. Live in a trailer for 10 years like I did on a dirt patch with a $300 a month mortgage and save every penny you make. You might be able to take your children to Mahjong. Drive the same vehicle for 10 years without having a car payment. Live holy so it don't ever break down and you don't have no repair costs. You might be able to have that. But if you're out there overspending, I had somebody say, Pastor, you, you, got, you got them same shirts you like a lot, don't you? That, you, know, you know what they're saying by that? Bro, you need to upgrade your wardrobe. When when you going to buy more than them three shirts and them four suits? I ain't. Unless I gain 100 pounds, because I got another 40 pounds in this shirt. I ain't ignorant. I, when, I bought this, when I bought this shirt 10 years ago, I knew. Mm, I was 42 years old. I thought, mm, what we got going on here? What we got? I ain't trying. I ain't upgrading my wardrobe. I ain't, upgrading, I ain't upgrading my vehicle. Why? Because I want to have money to give to God's kingdom. You got to do the right thing. You want to get better financially, you got to do better. That means live inside your means. Don't, don't, don't keep charging stuff on credit cards. Quit overspending on Christmas. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can save money. I promise you, I make this promise to everybody and we'll get out of here. Because I've had people say, I can't afford to tithe. Within five minutes... Come to me after service today. You, you really want to stand in my face and tell me I can't afford to tithe and you can't prove me different. Within five minutes, I'll prove you different. Last time I did that, had an old lady and her husband come up here and say, we can't afford to tithe. We're godly people, saved, sanctified, fire, baptized in the Holy Ghost. We speak in tongues. We, we pray for the sick and the infirm. We volunteer with retarded children. I said, oh, that's fine. I said, let's talk about your budget. She's standing there with her purse open, pack of cigarettes hanging out. I ain't got a problem with that. You know, you know, some people smoke, some people overeat donuts. Everybody needs something. You know, we all need help somewhere. And I said, well, you know, uh, how much money do you spend on them cigarettes? I'm not going to talk to you about my smoking. You're not perfect either. I, I didn't say I was perfect. I'm just saying cigarettes cost a lot of money. You tell me you're too broke to give to God. 
She had a little cell phone strapped on the outside of her purse. I said, what's your cell phone plan costing you every month? Well, you're not going to take my cell phone away from me because that's the only way I can communicate with my children. Well, you can't use free email at the library? Yes, you can. See, people, what they mean is I can't keep drinking and smoking and, and whoremongering and buying expensive liquor and, and cigarettes and, and still have enough money. I can't, I can't keep spending $200 a month with my cable TV bill staying up late at night watching pay-per-views that my wife don't know about. I can't keep doing all that and afford to give money to the church. That's what they mean. Because you can afford to give to God. Maybe not and keep doing all that stuff you're doing. You want to get better financially, you got to do better to have better. You got to do, I want you to understand this before you leave. You got to do better to have better. I'm going to say the first half, you say the second half. You got to do better? You got to do better? That's where it's at. You got to do better to have better. Whether it's financially or what, what, else, what else is there in, in, in the world we live in? Put the next one on the screen. Emotional. You're all jammed up in your head. I get it. Man, I come from a whole long line of jacked-up people. You can't even imagine what, what life's like on the farm in Rayville, Louisiana. Uh, but I know what emotional battle is like. I've had so many people in my family commit suicide. Uh, I've had so many people in my family battle depression. I, I tell my kids, they talk, come home talking about classes they had, talking about depression and, and suicide. And, and, and they know that I've had my own battles emotionally. And I told them, I said, one, one thing you can count on me. If cops ever come up and say, you know, Scott killed himself, you know, got depressed, committed suicide. Well, I might have been depressed. I might have been battling some things emotionally. But they say I committed suicide. You, you look deeper. Because I, I, it's not that I'm so emotionally together. I just ain't, I told my kids, I ain't giving the haters the benefit. I ain't taking myself out and letting all the haters rejoice that he ain't around no more. I mean, you had to worry about me killing me. I'm going to stick around and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And ain't no, if they ain't going to stand over me and say, ha, 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 he died. I'm going to stand over there. Oh, it's a different story for a different time. You got emotional issues? Get better. Do something different. Start treating people better. Life get better for you. Start, start investing your emotional stability. Read some books. Read some free stuff at the library that will help you grow strong in your mind. There's ways to get better. Sitting back complaining about them is not that thing. You got to do better. What's the last one? Relationally. We got to take honest evaluation. Are your relationships good? Man, I, I went home yesterday, Henry, and I cried in my room. I went home and, and sure enough took a nap, believe that. I had three hours and 40 minutes of sleep and got up and came to that breakfast to be with y'all. Um, I went home and I just laid in my bed and I cried, think, thinking about uh, the, just the men that were there. You know I love you, Stacy. I'm sitting there thinking, man, how am I so blessed to have, have, have a Henry West and a Stacy in my life? How, how am I so blessed to have these people that love me that we, man, we talk about stuff that make us laugh. We laughed so hard, our ribs was hurting yesterday morning. We, we had so much fun. We hugged each other's necks. We, we came in glad to see each other, and we left. I was thinking, thinking about Uncle Ken. How am I so blessed to have, have this good, especially he's white, too? I mean, how am I so, uh, how, how, how do I have a 70-plus-year-old white man in my life? You say, well, why has it got to be like that? He ain't right there. Real quick, because this is funny. The day I bought these $200 Tims, I wore them to church. One of our country white people said, oh, I'm glad to see you wore your work boots to church tonight. 
said, you ever see any dust on these Timberlands? You better call the law. Somebody <laughs> stole them from me. I don't take it to Jake's level. Jake get a new pair of shoes. He walks like this. I don't want to crease my new Jordans. Glad you wore your work. That's white people speaking. But I just lay there and rejoiced in God at, at, at the relationships that he has blessed me to have. You should have seen, Miss Irene. I don't know what they were thinking was going on, but people pointed at us yesterday in the line. I was leaving. Miss Irene was coming up to, to serve in her ministry. She'd been doing been food and clothing with us forever, and she was coming. I got out of my Lincoln and walked up and gave her a hug, stood there, and people heard pointing. And I'm like, I don't know if they were, you know, wondering, is that the pastor? Well, I don't know what they were wondering about. I mean, but they were pointing and speculating on, well, who is she that he got out of his truck? And, and, and I mean, the people that God has put in my life are so important to me. Relationships. Here's what happens to relationships if you don't do anything with them. They fall apart. You, wanna, you want better relationships? you got to invest in them. you got to plant some good seeds in your relationships. you got to tell somebody you love them. you got to be there for somebody if you expect them to be there for you. That's one of the greatest things I love about church. We have total strangers come and want to sit down with me and ask me, can we pay their light bill? And I tell them, you ever, you, do you go to church? Well, not really. And whether we're going to help them or not, I always let them know, well, that's one of the great things I love about being in a church. You get a relationship with your pastor. I, 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 can, I can promise y'all this on life. We have single mothers in this church that are faithful to this church, that have served in this church. There would never be a day in their life where they don't have food. I pay their light bill out of my pocket if the church couldn't do it. And I, and I tell these strangers, they want, they want us to pay the light bill. I let them know, wouldn't it be cool if you had a relationship with a pastor that loved you, that would give you anything, instead of you coming here asking a total stranger to give you something that you've never worked for. See, the church is a family. We're in relationship together. The church family many times is closer than your own biological family because we're the ones hanging out with each other. And, and, and it, to me, it's, 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 it's that Kurt Franklin song being lived out. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long that I'm going to need somebody to lean on. That's what we do. I tell people from the beginning, we started this church over 15 years ago. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be a family of believers. And I am going to be there for you when you need me. And I'm going to expect you to be there for me when I need you. And that's why I leave my children home alone to go sit with somebody in a hospital room. That's why I get up and drive an hour one way to go sit with somebody's dying grandmother. That, why? Because I am investing in relationships of people that are in relationship with me. You want your relationships to get better? It's not going to happen just by way of nothing. You got to do something. You got to do better to have better. So here it is. Let's get serious about getting healthy. Let's do better to have better. I ain't going to take us through a big emotional Invitation, because I spent too much time talking about my shirt. But if I had a big emotional invitation right now, and I said everybody that really wants to do better in one of these five areas of life, if you want to do better spiritually, I'm not saying to do it, but if I said, if you want to do better spiritually, I want you to come up front. If I said, if you want to do better emotionally, I want you to come up. If I went through all five of those things, I said, I want you to come up front. We're going to pray to God to help us. Then most of the thinking people would be up here. 
because we all need to do better in one of these five areas, if not all of them. We need to do better in these areas. And I want to get better spiritually. I want to get better physically. I want to get better financially. I want to get better. In my, listen, I don't want to go much higher than the 218 I'm rolling in right now. Because he's a little tight right here, pinching me. But I want to get better physically. I want to get better emotionally. I want to get better in my relationships with people. It's not going to happen by magic. It's going to happen by work. I want you to get better too. You got to do something. You got to do better to get better. If you want to do better, if you want to, if you want to have better, just ask God to help you do better. You don't have to come down front and make a big show out of it. You don't, listen, if you're unsaved, you don't even have to come down front to get saved. The Bible says if you call on the Lord, he'll save you. You want to get saved, the Bible says if you confess your sins to God, he'll forgive you of your sins and save you. You just ask God to save you, he'll do it. You ask God to help you, he'll do it. Because that's how good our God is. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for your love and your mercy, God. I thank you for your word and the Holy Spirit who guides us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do better so that we can have better. God, I pray that you would help us to grow healthier physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and financially. God, I pray that you would strengthen us so that we would have strength to give to this community. Strengthen us so we have strength to give to our friends and our family, our children and our grandchildren. Strengthen us, God, so we can show the whole world how good our God is. We love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.